if you have a story you would like to hear featured on this podcast, please go to AsTheRavenDreams.com and click the button to submit your story. Also, if the platform you're listening on has the option to rate this podcast, please consider doing so. And thank you. I know that this story that I'm sending you is going to be met with skepticism and potentially criticism, but I don't care. I'm living through all of this. I'm going through the motions, and I know that it's all real. This isn't about attention or to get clout or whatever. I'm not even attaching my name to this story because I don't want any of that. I just want to put this story out there and try to understand the line between life, death, and whatever is in between. Ever since I was a kid, weird things seem to have circled around me. At first, I don't think they were any more than what normal people would experience. Just the slight and common paranormal thing here and there. But that all changed when I either died or nearly died, depending on how you decide to look at it. When I was eight years old, I was hit by a car while riding my bike across the street. Some old guy was messing around with something in the footwell of his passenger side, and going about 20 over the speed limit, while I was aimlessly pedaling back and forth in my neighborhood. Everything went from innocent me enjoying the summer sun to girl meets windshield then concrete real fast. I should have died. I did die temporarily, but they were able to bring me back by the grace of modern science. During those moments when I was out, I remember the darkness. There were no lights, no voices, just this overwhelming sense of emptiness. It was like standing on the edge of the abyss staring out until it decides to stare back. When I woke up, I was blinded by the sterile lights of a hospital room, and deafened by my mom yelling that I was awake. Ever since that moment, I have had this overwhelming sense of dread that has followed me around. Yes, since I was eight years old, I've been having this dreadful feeling. From that moment on, it felt like the universe had sent me a sign, one that read in a very bold font, You're on borrowed time. After that day, I started seeing things. Strange things. I would see movement where there was none. I would see figures shift out of view in the corner of my eyes. Inexplicable flashes of light like an old disposable camera, but there was never a source of said light. I told my parents about this, and they took me in to be checked out, and from what I've been told, there was nothing physically causing these phenomena. My brain was, miraculously, okay. I thank my little pink helmet that I was wearing for that fact. These visuals kept going as I grew up, and it got to the point where the hallucinations shifted to auditory ones as well. The voice I have heard has always been the same voice. It's a low whisper of what sounds like an older man. 
It's called my name before and said other things, but I've never been able to decipher what else it says. And now, the reason I'm actually writing this story. Things have seemingly escalated. One of the most recent and scariest things that I have experienced was about four weeks ago. I was taking a shower, and as the steam filled up the bathroom, I saw what looked like a child's handprint on the mirror. I live alone. I don't have children, and there has not been a child in this apartment since I moved in five years ago. I've cleaned that mirror numerous times over the years, so there shouldn't be any sort of smudge or print on it, yet there was. It was a clear and clean handprint of a child, square in the middle of the mirror. After that, I started to have various things happen in my apartment. Things moving, disappearing, etc. My cup of coffee would be in one place, and I would enter the room and it would be elsewhere. My phone would be plugged in on my bedside table, and when I would wake up, it would be on the kitchen counter. One time, my keys disappeared and then ended up in the freezer somehow. I know that this sounds like poltergeist activity, but it's been so sudden and random that it's hard for me to attribute it to a haunting, and not my reality falling apart. And for those that will say it, no, it's not me doing these things and then forgetting. And I'm 99% certain that I'm not sleepwalking either. I know deep down that there is more to this. Physically, I've also been feeling off. I've been having random bouts of vertigo that will literally knock me on my ass. I've been having weird moments where I'll start shivering uncontrollably even when it's warm. My heart will skip beats, start racing, and then slow down all in the span of a minute, which I will say is physically exhausting. I did go to the doctor, and I explained all of these things, and the tests that they ran didn't see anything concerning, or any potential cause for these issues. The last thing that I've been having issues with is people. Both real people and people I think I see, but don't. I know that sounds confusing, but let me explain. I've been having this weird sensation where I will be somewhere and I'll see a person, look away, and then look back, only for them to be gone. I will walk by someone, get that weird feeling, turn around immediately, and they will not be there. On the other hand, I've been having this weird issue with seeing people I know, and my brain not putting together who they are, or forgetting things as simple as their name. Again, my brain is fine according to the doctors that I've seen. My health is great, minus the permanent damage to certain parts caused by the accident way back, but none of that's in my head. I know that all of this sounds like rambling, but I promise you it's not. These are things that I've been going through for a little while now, as well as the things I've experienced since I was young. But now... Well, now it feels like I'm starting to fade out of this reality, or existence as a whole. It kind of feels like a countdown, like each sign and each happening is starting to push me further and further into oblivion. 
you would think I'd be scared out of my wits, but the funny thing is that I'm not. I'm unsettled by it, sure, but there's also this sense of fatalistic acceptance. It's like my fate was sealed when I came back so long ago, and I've lived my best life these past 20 years, so if I'm right and my time is winding down, then I accept it. Do I think I'm actually close to dying? Yeah, probably. And deep down, I think I've always known that my time was limited. That the universe, or God, or whatever you want to call it, is just biding its time and waiting for the right moment to reel me back into that abyss. I don't know when, exactly, or how it'll happen, but I hope it's just quick, and I hope that I just happen to slip away without even realizing that it actually happened. I apologize if this story comes across strangely, or is way too wordy, but I'm not much of an author, so odds are that some of it may not make cohesive sense. I have never written this down, and I've rarely talked to anyone about these occurrences, but they are all burned very deeply into my memory. These are core memories from my childhood that will never leave me. When I was a very little girl, my father passed away from a very painful and destructive sickness. I don't recall the exact sickness, but it hit him, and he was knocked down and then was gone within a few weeks. Because of this, we had to move in with my maternal grandparents, and the house that they lived in was a nightmare for me every day that I spent there. The house was like one of those creepy houses that you would see in an old horror movie. Not like a huge, old Victorian mansion or something. Just like the obviously old with some very ancient architecture. I thought the house was the coolest thing when I got older. At, at least, how it looked. My grandma was into some weird things, so I think she liked to push the slightly creepy aesthetic. Of course... Like I said, staying in the house itself was hell, but the outside appearance was pretty cool, I guess. I don't think things started right off the bat. It was closer to when I was eight or so. Yeah, we lived there through my entire childhood. My first memory of the house was the weird sounds. At first, it was just weird basic house noises, or at least that's what I was told creaks, bumps, various sounds of steps and doors shutting. I remember telling my grandpa that I heard something walking upstairs, but he would tell me that I was just imagining it. There was one day that my grandma and I were sitting downstairs at the dining room table. She was doing something and I was coloring, and I heard what sounded like normal steps upstairs, but then came the laughter. You ever hear a kid laughing when you darn well know that you're alone in the house? Yeah, it was enough to freeze my blood, even at the age of, like, seven or eight. The first thing I did was look to my grandma to see if she heard it, and I remember seeing the look on her face. 
she was staring at the stove with her eyes wide and a pale face. I think it was then that I knew that it wasn't just the house shifting, and that the laughing wasn't in my mind. I asked my grandma what it was, and she told me not to worry about it. I pushed it. I kept saying that she heard the laughing too, and after a while she smacked the counter and yelled at me. Anne-Marie, that's enough. Leave it alone. It was nothing. After that, whenever I heard things, I wouldn't tell anyone. I didn't mention it to them. I didn't tell them because I knew that they would just chastise me for it. Not long after the laughing started, I started seeing the shadow. I'm not talking like a shadow cast by something. It was a human shape. Always slightly out of focus. I would be doing whatever I did at that age, and I would always start to feel cold. It was a pure instinctual reaction, but... I would get the chill and would look up and would always see the damn shadow. I noticed it more upstairs than down, so I started to sleep on the couch, and when my mom asked me why, I told her that I just didn't like my bed or something stupid like that. So of course they got me a new bed, and I was told that I had to sleep in my bedroom. The first night that I had to sleep in there was one of the worst nights. It was when things really kicked into high gear. When I went to bed, I just laid there in my bed unable to fall asleep because I kept feeling cold, and kept feeling like I was being stared at. I was laying there with my eyes closed and my blanket over my face when I started to feel this pressure in my chest. It was like someone was pushing me down onto the bed like hands were holding me down, but when I opened my eyes, there was obviously nobody there. What was there was horrifying. There was this dark mist hovering above me. It almost looked like a storm cloud, but it was up close and personal. I couldn't breathe, I couldn't scream, I was just frozen there watching as this dark mist slowly took shape. Now, this may sound like sleep paralysis... And it could have been, but it was brought on by something that was not natural, nor normal. I was a young child, and whatever this was was haunting me. I watched as this thing hovered above me for a few moments, and then slowly made its way out of my room. When it left the room, I was able to move again, and my heart was racing. I chose to follow it. I chose to see where it was trying to go, and when I opened my door, I watched as this dark cloud made its way a little bit down the hallway, and then through the attic door. I immediately ran downstairs, and I locked myself in the bathroom. I sat there on the floor crying my eyes out, terrified that this thing was going to come and find me, and that it was going to suffocate me or hold me down again. I eventually fell asleep because, when I woke up, it was to my mom knocking on the bathroom door and asking who was there. This was the last event for a little while. A couple of years, I believe, because I think I was around 11 the next time something happened. The next event, though, was the one that really solidified the horror for me. It was the middle of the summer, and I was home with my grandma again. 
My mom and grandpa were both at work all the time, so really most of my childhood it was just she and I. By this time though, we actually had a small dog named Baxter, and he was my little buddy for a long time. I was sitting in the living room, I think at this point I was playing my Game Boy, and my grandma was sitting in her chair crocheting. Neither of us were making much noise, I think my game of Tetris was probably making the most sound, when out of nowhere the room was filled with this sound of humming. It was so sudden and it wasn't happy humming. It was a pained and sadded sound of someone humming out a somber tune, and as they did, it almost sounded like they were sobbing. Again, I heard it and my mind immediately went, am I hearing things? Or does my grandma hear this too? And when I glanced over at her, I could tell that she was holding back a terrified look. It was at this point that I took the time to confront this straight on. I was older, and I was at that age where I thought that I was more grown up than I really was. I said, I know that I'm not imagining that. I can tell that you can hear it too. At this point, she just sighed and said, yeah, I can hear it too, okay? I just don't want to acknowledge it because if we do, it might feel invited to stay. At this point, it kind of clicked that she firmly believed that giving whatever this thing was, any sort of attention would make it want to stick around. The humming stopped a few moments later, but it didn't quite end there. When it stopped, we both kind of just sat there in silence until Baxter started growling. It was completely silent when he just started baring his teeth and growling at seemingly nothing. He stood up from the couch and continued his growl at the empty room, and then we heard this loud bang coming from upstairs. We both jumped up. I think we were both kind of freaking out, and my grandma made her way up the stairs and told me to stay there. I, of course, did not listen and I followed her up. We looked in the rooms, and we pretty quickly found what was the cause of the sound. When we walked into my grandparents' bedroom, we both saw the lamp that normally sat on the end table on my grandpa's side had been practically thrown across the room, and was completely shattered. I helped her clean it up and get it all sorted out, and while we were cleaning, she finally explained some things to me. The main thing that she told me was that the house was haunted, and it was haunted by someone that my grandparents knew. Apparently, my grandmother was not my grandpa's first wife. His first wife lived with him in the house for the four years they were married, until she died. She died in the house, in the room that I had been living in. She had an undiagnosed heart problem, and my grandpa actually found her on the floor one day after coming home from work. And she was already cold. Ever since then, this house has had strange things happening. Things my grandfather ignored, things that he told my grandmother to ignore when they got together, and my grandmother had told my mother to ignore it, and so forth. Until it got to me. The problem was that, apparently... I was the one that the spirit, well, assumed to be the spirit of my grandfather's first wife, was tormenting. She was tormenting me more than anyone else. 
I broke down and I told my grandmother everything that I had dealt with, things that she never knew about. She hugged me and told me that I just needed to ignore it, basically saying what she had said downstairs. Thankfully, after that, the things that happened went back to the minimal, creepy things. The sounds, the laughing and such. I never experienced that sleep paralysis, and nothing else was ever physically broken. I did see the shadow every once in a while, and it seemed to spend a lot of time near the attic, which was a bit across from my room. But nothing ever seemed as malicious as that one night. After I moved out and I got my own place, all of it seemingly stopped, which tells me that the spirit was attached to that house, or to my grandparents, probably my grandpa. I don't know if anything else has happened in that house to them, though. My grandparents both passed about 15 years ago, and my mom sold the house. I asked my mom about her experiences, but she never wanted to speak about it beyond just saying that she had had them. So, that's my story with the haunted house that my grandparents owned. A house where I was tormented as a kid. There were a lot more happenings before that day, the day where my grandma told me everything, but none of them really come to mind like the ones I've explained. I hope that you enjoyed this story, and I hope it's good enough for your channel, as it's a story that I've wanted to tell for a very long time. Thank you for your time, Raven, and I look forward to many more scary stories from you. I love taking walks at night, or at least I used to. Not so much anymore after what happened. Every other night, after I have done my duties for the day, I would walk from my apartment, down a few blocks, pass a few shops, maybe get a late night snack from one of them and wrap around the town back to my apartment. It was a ritual and it always helped me unwind and be disconnected from my responsibilities. Until now. Last night, I wasn't feeling too good mentally. I'd had a fight with my best friend earlier in the day, and I needed something to take my mind off of it, or just help me think, I guess. I noted that it was getting cold earlier, and knew that I would have to bring a jacket. It was mid-October, after all. I locked my door and set out, opting to go the other way, the long way, go the long route first, hit the shops at the end before coming home. As I started walking, I realized that I might have made a mistake. The air wasn't that cold, but the wind? It was like little shards of glass hitting my face. I hadn't taken anything out for dinner, and I planned to pick dinner up at one of the passing shops, so I couldn't exactly just go back in. My car hadn't been running very well lately, so walking it was. I did, however, halfway through, make the daring decision to turn around and just go to the shops and go home. No late night stroll, just food, then straight home. As I turned around, I noticed a person on the other side of the street, on the sidewalk, just standing still, staring at the lamppost above him. 
I picked up the pace when I saw him, hoping that he wouldn't notice so I could quickly pass and get this over with. The air got colder and colder as time went on. I finally passed my apartment again and could see the lights from the shops nearby. I would just go into the deli, get a sandwich and some chips, and leave. I, from there, I would just head straight home. The random stranger was on my mind and was compelling me further to just get this done quickly. As I was about halfway from my apartment to the shops, I started hearing really quick tapping sounds coming from behind me, which then turned into what sounded like fast-moving footsteps. I spin around to see a figure from the dark charging straight at me on my side of the road. I freaked out and ran as fast as I could. The sound of their heavy breathing and thundering footsteps, it was enough to make me almost pass out right then and there out of fear. I managed to reach the first shop and swing the door open, running to the counter, sobbing and crying, trying to tell the clerk that I was being chased. And then the door opened behind me. I turn around to see the same guy from before, that lurker that was just staring at the street lamp. He was staring right past me at the clerk behind me. I will give you $100 to not say a word, the weirdo said. My eyes widened in horror, and I turned around to see the clerk now harboring a smirk and staring back at this man. Son, if you don't get the hell out of my shop, you're going to wish I called the cops. The relief that went over my body when the clerk said this was overwhelming. And then, the guy charged at me. It was so quick that I didn't have enough time to react. He slammed into me, bear-hugging me, and we both went straight into the counter. He picked me up and tried to carry me out of the store by force. Then, the gunshot rang out. The man let go when we both looked at the clerk, who was now holding a 12-gauge, and it was aimed right at this guy. Come here, sweetie. I gotcha, the clerk said. I ran to that man as fast as I could, and I hid right behind him. You got three seconds to get on the damn ground with your hands on your head before I blow it clean off your goddamn body. The creep stared at us for a second, looking at the clerk, and then back at me, before finally breaking down and crying. He got on the ground, on his stomach, and he put his hands behind his head. Sweetie, call the cops. I got him, the clerk said to me. I didn't waste time sprinting to the landline on the wall and dialing 911. About ten minutes later, the police arrived, and they arrested him. They took our statements, and the clerk offered to drive me home. I, of course, accepted. When we pulled up to my apartment, he stopped me before leaving and gave me his card for his shop, and it had the shop number on it, as well as his cell phone number. If, for whatever reason, you need help, I'm always there. Don't hesitate to call. I thanked the man for saving me, and he drove off. Now, it's the next morning, and I just don't know how to heal yet from what happened. But I want to thank that shopkeeper who saved my life, and I will definitely call him if I get into any trouble again.
For context, I am 20 years old and female, and at the time of these events, I was around 12 to 13. So, I grew up in a very rural area. Like, my town was so small that it was legally considered a village. My house was one of four on a span of 40 acres. My childhood home, my grandparents' house right up the street, and my two neighbors. One of the neighbors, not the subject of this post, we're going to call him T, had been living across near my family for as long as I can remember, and he rented out a trailer that he owned which was inhabited by the fourth neighbor, the subject of this post. We're going to call him J. J and his girlfriend, who we're going to call A, had moved in a few months before these events, and I hadn't really met them. I knew of them, but I hadn't interacted with them directly. The day that I met J and A was extremely awkward, as I was a kid and I didn't really want to talk to them, but my grandma had made me go with her to drop off some vegetables that she had grown in her garden. When they came out after my grandma knocked on the trailer door, I was first struck by how they looked. I know that sounds bad, but I'm not judging. I now know that both of them were addicted to meth. My grandma started the conversation, and I tried to be polite, as I was raised to be, by introducing myself when told to do so. I wasn't really able to finish my sentence, as I noticed Jay was staring at me very intently. He looked like he was either mad, or hungry, or both. Not the creepiest stuff off the bat, as they both seemed polite enough, and I brushed off the stare as him just trying to be polite, looking at me as I spoke to him as most people do. The creepy part is that as time went on, he began to try and be near me more and more. He would ride his bike past our house over and over for what seemed like hours, while me and my brother played catch in the yard, with baseball gloves and a softball. Then he began to go to church with me and my brother and my grandparents. He would make sure to sit right next to me in the back seat of the car as he rode with us. If my brother tried to sit in the middle, so I wasn't right next to Jay, he would throw a fit about how my brother was squishing him against the door. Then, he started coming to my grandma's house when she would have me and my brother after school, offering to tutor me with various subjects. What really scared me was that I'd begun seeing him walk near our house at night, trying to shine a flashlight into my window. He tried various things to get close to me, tried to convince my parents to let him teach me how to golf, tried to help me practice my catching positions for softball, he tried to get me to go with him and A to the movies, and none of these things ever included my brother, only me. Things finally came to a head when I was playing with my dog outside in our front yard, she was a boxer, and he started repeatedly doing laps on his bike down the road again, staring at me, like he did the day we met. I was extremely uncomfortable. I've always had very good intuition about people, and something was always just off with him. But that day, I was terrified. 
He parked his bike right in the middle of the road and got off. He then started walking towards me at almost a jog, and I just kept backing away. What happened next is why I believe that dogs are a better judge of character than people could ever hope to be. My boxer ran up at him, and she launched herself onto him when he was about six feet from me. She tore into his arm, and I saw blood. I screamed and my mom ran outside shortly after. She was trying to pull my dog off of him, but as soon as she was able to, holding on to the dog collar, she started yelling at him, asking him why he was in our yard with me alone. He couldn't answer her, and just started running back to his bike, riding back to the trailer. My grandma ended up driving him to the hospital, as Jay and A didn't have a car, and I later learned that he got 16 stitches. He never gave a reason as to why he was approaching me, and they moved out shortly after. I haven't seen him since, and I'm still terrified to this day that I'll run into him again. When my dad first told me this story as a kid, it gave me chills. And since I stumbled upon this sub, I might as well share. I still remember every detail. Before going into the details, I'll give some context to set the setting and background of the incident. Bear with me, they totally add up to the scary elements of the story. Back in 1985, my 19-year-old dad was serving in the Greek Army Special Forces, in the Paratrooper Division. It's kind of irrelevant, but I'm a proud son, so I thought I'd mention it. Army service in Greece is mandatory for every male that has reached their 18th birthday, and so everyone has to go. Military camp, where each company is stationed at, are mostly positioned in the countryside, and usually there isn't much going on near and around the camps. They're fairly secluded. Closest town to my pop's camp was about three kilometers away. One night, while serving, it was my dad's turn to go on guard duty in the camp that he was posted in. Every night, five to six of the soldiers were selected for guard duty, and they slept in the same barracks. Half an hour before it was time for the previous guards to be relieved, another soldier would come in the room, wake up the new batch so they would get ready to go to their positions. Each shift was two hours. The 12 to 6 a.m. shifts were the worst, according to my pops. It gets extremely cold in the winter, and you're half asleep, standing beside your booth freezing your butt off while keeping watch. The only way to be vigilant and keep warm is if you take a few steps up and down. So, it was 2 a.m., and my dad was standing there next to his booth with his M1 Garand rifle. The Greek army used World War II weapons in the 80s, yes. Absolute silence. He could only hear the wind. He mentioned that the moon was helpful with visibility, but there's only so much you can make out at night even with the moon apart from dark shadows, especially at longer distances. 
There were some tree lines far away, but there wasn't much vegetation around the camp at all. It was more like a clearing. Everything was going well, just like every other night, until a tall, dark mass appears from the path, coming out of a tree line, and it's headed right towards my father's booth. My dad's heart starts pumping when he spots it, and he said that he is scared witless at this point. The mass is moving slow but steady, and is closing the distance. It's almost like it's floating with big, slow steps. My dad does what he is instructed to do, and what every guard does in a situation like this. He raises his rifle, aims, and screams, Halt! Identify yourself! No reply. The shadow continues to approach. Second time. Halt! Identify yourself! Nothing. He told me that at this point he is certain that he's seeing a ghost in real life. He says he thought to himself, Alright, let's see if a ghost can die. Before he engages, he has to scream a code word that raises the alarm. The way that works is, the next guard on the next booth that is hundreds of meters away will hear the scream and then scream himself. And with a chain reaction like that, the alarm goes from booth to booth and reaches the patrol. The patrol is an office with five soldiers that makes the rounds between booths every night and make sure everything is okay with the guards. If you're caught sleeping or away from your post by these guys, well, rest in peace. They're also the ones to investigate the alarms. Only problem is, the patrol might take a while to get to the booth that raised the alarm, as they don't know which one it is, and they might be far from the correct one. They run double time through every booth and until they locate the original source of the alarm. My dad hears the other guys screaming and he knows the alarm is raised. He knows that the patrol is going to be there in a few minutes. He also knows that the penalty for falsely raising the alarm is prison. Prison means a soldier gets X amount of days added to their service. The service back then was two years plus prison days that have been added to a soldier along the way from penalties. They don't actually lock you up in a cell unless you commit an actual crime, and then the military police comes in. But he doesn't have minutes. This eerie figure is 50 meters away and closing in. He gets ready to fire. Then he hears, Relax, my dad's name. It's me. Another soldier covered in a black blanket that my dad knew was trying to sneak back into the camp at night, after having fun in the nearest town without permission. He was holding a bottle of liquor too, and was fairly drunk. My dad let him through, but he knew that he was about to get a serious amount of prison time for falsely raising the alarm once the patrol figured out it was his booth that the alarm was raised from. The patrol gets there, and my dad doesn't snitch on the drunk guy. The officer tells him that they'll see each other the next morning. Next day in line, where the penalties are being announced by the officers, my dad is waiting to hear his name called. But they never mention him. Even though an alarm raise is extremely rare to happen, nobody tells him anything. Turns out, the patrol officer and the 
ghost, quote-unquote, were buddies. The guy sneaking in told the lieutenant what happened, and to not mention my dad. The officer apparently pulled some strings, and the whole incident was like it never even happened. So, it was a happy ending after all. Hope you enjoyed. Back around 2006, I was going to stay at a friend's house for a few days. I'd been friends with this guy all my life, and our moms had even become good friends. It was normal to come home from school or something, and my mom asked if I wanted to stay over there without me having to ask. It was really cool because, out of all of my friends, he would be my preferred choice to hang out with. I had a lot of friends that were cool, but there was always something that got in the way when we hung out. Whether it was Cody's annoying older brother who was always bothering us, Michael's overbearing parents, or Jeff who only ever wanted to watch TV all day. I like TV, and yeah, I may have been around 12 at the time, but I didn't want to just sit around and watch TV the whole time. I could do that at home. But when I stayed at Connor's place, we had a lot to do with very little restrictions. He had two younger twin sisters, so they kept each other company. His parents were pretty laid back, and their place was huge with lots of activities and things to choose from. So when my mom told me that I was going to stay at Connor's for a few days when I got out of school, I was surprised but also excited. I was going to be staying over there on a school night, as it was going to be from Thursday to Sunday. I had never had a sleepover on a school night, so I was pretty excited to get ready for school and ride the same bus with him. However, I did notice the way my mom was rushing about getting me ready and out the door. Connor's mom was picking me up, and how distracted my mom seemed to be. She had a similar look on her face when she came home from work after a stressful day. She was a 911 dispatcher at the time, and I just thought that maybe she'd had a particularly bad day, and I didn't question it. I was going to be going to my friend's house without even having to ask. The first night there was great. His parents bought pizza that night, and we were able to do whatever we wanted that night after homework. After school on Friday, I rode the bus home with him, and after homework again, we had free choice of our evening activities. I had brought my DS with me, and we took it outside to play a game on it together, while also doing some other stuff outside. It was a game with different levels or stages, so we would just take turns on each level while the other rode on the scooter or other random activities. While I was taking my turn playing... Connor was trying to climb a nearby tree and trying to figure out how to reach a branch that was just out of reach. I looked up to briefly see him hanging upside down and laughed, returning to my game. Shortly after, and without looking up from my game, I could tell Connor had dropped out of the tree using the trunk as a support. And that's when he started talking about doing flips off of it, and then asked if I could do a backflip. 
I told him no. Then he asked if I thought that he could do a backflip from running and kicking off the tree. I was heavily committed to my game at the time. The level was appearing to be more difficult than I was expecting, and most of my attention was on the game and the DS. So, without looking up, I chuckled a bit and said, <laughs> I doubt it, but try anyways. Then I heard a familiar voice that wasn't Connor's. It was my mom's. I looked up, and that's where things made absolutely no sense to me. I was sitting on the floor in my living room, holding my DS and playing the exact same game, on the exact same level that I had been playing. My mom was now standing in the archway between the kitchen and living room. Her face looked puffy and weary, and she said to me, What did you just say? I was confused, and to be honest, scared. I was at Connor's just a second ago. Then I was sitting at home and my mom looks just as concerned. I first tried to play it off and say nothing, but with my dad now also standing to her side, they asked me to repeat myself and why I said it. So I did. I then tried to play it off saying that I was talking about something in the game. They both stared at me suspiciously and confused, and I was right there with them. This was really bizarre to me, and I didn't know what was happening, so I closed my DS and told them that I wasn't feeling well, excusing myself to go to my bedroom without them saying another word. What had just happened? Why was I not at Connor's anymore? When did I get home? How was any of this even possible? I couldn't recall the rest of the weekend being over there, nor the drive home. My first thought was to check the date and time. The only thing that I had in my room with a date on it at the time was my DS, so I opened it back up and to add to the confusion, it was still Friday. It was around 8pm, later than when we were outside, which was around 5pm. We had just gotten home from school, did our homework, and then went out to play. So it was still Friday, but it didn't explain how the hell I got back home. And if I was at home now, did I stay at Connor's the night prior? Did that actually happen? I just laid in my bed trying not to think about what happened and watched TV, not even wanting to play my DS because of the event. Shortly after... My dad came into my room and sat on my bed to talk with me. He asked me if I was okay and just talked about our day for a while. He asked me how school was, and I told him what happened as I remembered, and then he asked if there was anything I wanted to talk about. It was said in that manner that many kids may be familiar with. When they want you to tell them, or confess to something you may have done, Maybe almost accusatory, I suppose. He definitely wasn't acting like he was mad or even remotely upset, and I had no idea what I could have done. I thought about telling him what I'd experienced, but I didn't even know how to explain it, so I just told him no. Then, he told me that something had happened to Mom and that she was probably not going to be herself for a while. He said to be kind to her and to show her as much love as possible, 
and then asked me if I wanted to stay at Connor's for the weekend. I was confused. I felt like I was living through this deja vu moment, but it wasn't quite right. I made a comment about going over there again, and he questioned that. I said that I was just over there, and he dismissed it as maybe I was thinking of a couple of weekends ago, so I just agreed and let it go. That next morning, on Saturday, Connor and his mom came and picked me up, and I remember giving my mom a huge hug and telling her I loved her, and for some reason I also told her, it'll be okay, mom, and just walked away smiling. Her face seemed to lighten up, and she smiled back at me. I don't know why I said that, but it seemed to help, so I left it alone. I spent the weekend at Connor's, and everything was normal. Except, I asked him about being over there on Friday, and he said his mom told him Friday that I was coming over for the weekend, but that I wasn't there Thursday or Friday. My dad actually dropped off more clothes for me on Sunday along with my school stuff, and I actually spent a few more days over there. When I got back home and everything was settled, my dad explained what had happened. My mom's sister, my aunt Clara, was in a bad accident. That was about the extent of what I was told until I was 17. Then they told me a bit more about what had happened. My grandma had called my mom to tell her what happened, but they were worried that she wouldn't make it, and if she did, she would have severe brain damage, leaving her unable to even breathe on her own. My mom, of course, wanted to go see her only sister, but she was in a hospital several hours away, and she was worried that she wouldn't make it on time, and her sister would die thinking she didn't care about her. The night they discussed this was that Friday. She'd said to my dad, I just really hope I can make it in time. That was when they heard me from the living room say, I tout it, but try anyways. They were startled and confused, as they had been talking quietly, not wanting to upset me or let me know what was going on. To me, what I said made no sense not being at Connor's yet it fit in with the conversation my parents were having. When I went to Connor's that weekend, they both left to go be with her sister. By the time they got there, Aunt Clara was unconscious, but she got to be by her side and with the rest of the family. I don't know the actual terms, but basically, she was not showing any signs of improvement, and in fact, some of her organs were failing. So, they made the decision to take her off of life support. But as they did, instead of being overcome with grief, my mom said that she felt relief. She felt at peace and felt as if her sister was there with her, telling her once again, it'll be okay. I told my parents at that point what I had experienced being at Connor's and why I had said what I said. They confirmed that I had not been over at that point, and that there would have been no reason for me to have been over there at that point. However, somehow, I knew what to say without having any idea of the conversation they were having. 
my mom said that because of what I said, and with the situation being so bizarre, she knew that she needed to go to try and make it there, if you will, and she's glad that she did. She thinks her sister knew that she was there when she passed, and she thinks when I said it'll be okay, it could have been her speaking through me. That week was her funeral, and while she was sad she was gone, she felt more at peace, and was thankful that she was able to spend time with her in her final moments. We still have no explanation as to why or how I ended up at Connor's and then back home, but I guess overall it was a good thing, because it helped my mom in the long run, and I'm okay with that. I'm not one for believing in any sort of paranormal stuff. There's just not enough evidence thrown my way personally. But after this, I don't think I can deny it any longer. It's real. A few weeks ago, a couple of friends of mine told me that they were throwing a party at some old abandoned, supposedly haunted house towards the edge of town. I got a text from one of them asking if I wanted to go, and being the party person that I am, I accepted. Not because I wanted to see if it was haunted, but I just really like parties. And it had been a bit since I'd been to one. Fast forward to that Friday, and I'm in the passenger seat of my friend Max's car, headed to the house on the edge of our town. I turned and asked Mac, So, what's so haunted about this crap hole? He responded with, Oh, well, a couple lived there about a hundred years ago. Something caused an argument, and the wife stabbed the husband. And while he was fighting for his life, he strangled her. The knife was still sticking out of his chest when he collapsed, and he bled out before anyone found them, Mac told me. So, why is it charred on the outside if it was just a couple killing each other? He responded with, That's because they had something cooking, and the flame was on the whole time and ended up catching on something near it, and the house went up in flames the next day. We both kind of went quiet after that. The thought of two angry spirits sitting in a house that we were about to spend most of the night drunk in, but then it came back to me that there won't be any spirits because they didn't exist. We finally make it to the house a few minutes later. It's a pretty big four-story McMansion, casting this dark shadow over the entire yard. The house looked just as black as the shadow. Mac remarked that it didn't look like there was anyone there yet. I asked, want to take a look, see where we can set up? He said, sure, let's do it. We walked towards the front door and this cold breeze rushed past us, like a gust of wind with no actual force, but the cold following it was undeniable. We both stopped and stared at each other, probably wondering the same thing. What the hell was that? We get to the front door that is just hanging on by a single half-melted door hinge, and walked inside. The house was just as cold as the gust of wind from before, but it was everywhere. The entire house felt like it was 20 degrees Fahrenheit, and it was like a blazing inferno just outside the door. 
Why is it so damn cold? I asked. Mac replied with, No idea. You'd think it'd be warm in here. Just then, a loud bang came from a room somewhere above us, followed by the sound of a large glass object being smashed. We both looked at each other, obviously realizing the same thing. We weren't alone. Hesitant, we both grabbed something that would, in some world, constitute as a weapon of some sort, and slowly walked up the creepy stairs. Each footstep sent that creak echoing through the entire house. That's when we heard rapid footsteps behind us, racing up the stairs. Me and Mac both shot around and stared into the dimly lit staircase. The silence was deafening, almost threatening. We then heard footsteps in front of us, coming from the top of the stairs. We jumped back down the rest of the staircase and we bolted for the door. The door slammed shut and practically pushed itself back into its old shape. We pretty much slammed right into the door just after it closed. We pulled as hard as we could. With how it looked when we were coming in, it should have practically fell apart into dust by just touching it, but it was like it was bolted from the other side. Panic started to set in. I swear I could feel the house's cold air go from foreboding to disturbing and dangerous. Suddenly, I didn't feel like we had entered an empty house. Dude, what the hell is going on? What is this? Max said through panicked breathing. I just stared at him. It had to be ghosts, but... Ghosts? Real ghosts. This stuff just happens in the movies, doesn't it? We both were turned around now, facing the inside of the house, which was now a lot darker as it was approaching nighttime. Most of the windows were boarded up, and the door was stuck shut. There we were, staring into this darkness, this deafening silence. And then we heard more footsteps. But these ones sounded close, deliberate, like they were coming directly for us. We listened in horror. The steps kept getting closer and closer, until I swear I felt a large mass or presence directly in front of me. It felt like the air was getting sucked out of the room. After what felt like hours of just holding our breaths with tears in our eyes, we felt the door fall back into its broken position, and the presence in front of us was gone. We wasted no time bolting out the door and never looked back. We drove away, not even bothering to text the rest of our party friends about not going there. For some reason, when we brought it up to the others, they denied that the party was a thing. At least, not at that house, or even that day. Confused, Mac checked his phone to make sure the text was from the right number, and it wasn't. It seemed to be a number off. I have no idea what we felt in that house and I honestly cannot stop thinking about it, but I definitely know for sure now that the paranormal is 100% real. This is a story about my grandparents and their property. My grandparents meant the world to me. We had such a strong bond built on trust, love, laughter, and countless memories. 
I could come to them about anything, if I needed a place to get away. Their home was always open to me, and in fact, any of us grandkids. So, when they passed, it left a very empty space in my heart. One that I honestly was not quite ready to face. Alas, when the time came that my parents had to go through their belongings and sort through the remnants of a life well lived, they asked me for help. And I wasn't going to make them do it alone, no matter how hard it was going to be. Walking through their old home was like flipping through a sepia-toned photo album. I could almost hear my grandpa's deep laugh and still smell my grandma's favorite perfume. It was bittersweet, to say the least. The weight of loss was very heavy in the air, and as I pulled out item by item, recounting the memories from said items, I was becoming overwhelmed with grief. I had to step outside and catch my breath, and try to stop myself from bawling again. I stood there on their big wraparound porch and looked out into the yard, their rustic little home sat on a big acreage of land with their little farm, complete with a barn and chicken coop. I looked over at the worn-out tire swing hanging from the tree that I used to use as a kid, which brought back some pretty happy memories. And that's when I saw it. Scanning over the yard, I noticed the light in the upper window of the barn was on, Nobody had been near the barn yet, as we all wanted to clear out the house first, knowing that it would have more stuff in it. This piqued my curiosity, and I thought maybe a change in setting would also help me out some, so I decided to check it out. Like a moth to a flame, and with my mind already clouded in thoughts, I trudged towards the barn, not considering the possibilities of why the light would be on. As I pushed open the creaky barn door, a wave of nostalgia hit me like a ton of bricks. The stalls, once filled with cows and horses, were now empty and quiet. The scent of old wood and dust was all I could smell, indicating just how much time has passed and the barn neglected. After my grandfather's heart attack, they gave up their animals to others that could take care of them, and the barn was pretty much left as is. I walked through the rows of stalls, stopping at one, rubbing the name that was etched into the wood. It was the name of one of their cows that I adored as a child. And trying to get a hold of myself, I remembered the reason for entering the barn in the first place. The light coming from the upper floor now wasn't on. I could see the cone from below, and it was clearly not on, and I had turned the light on for the bottom floor. However, there was still something glowing up there. Something was producing light, and I was determined to figure it out. I made my way up the ladder to get onto the top floor, and I was not prepared for what I would find. Once up there, it wasn't entirely dark due to the light that I had just turned on, but it wasn't entirely lit up like it was downstairs. But as I looked around, 
I started seeing dancing lights around the edge of my vision. You know that weird feeling when you sense something just beyond your line of sight? That's what I felt. I almost started to worry that maybe I was about to pass out. But after closing my eyes and focusing on my breathing, I realized I physically felt fine. I've had seizures before, so I knew the weird feeling I would get before that happened. I didn't feel like I was going to collapse or seize. However, when I opened my eyes again, the lights were still there. They shimmered around me, but my body remained steady. My heart rate and breaths were calm. I stood still at the top of the ladder as I watched the lights dance around me, and that's when instead of feeling overwhelmed with grief, sadness, or even fear, I instead felt warmth and acceptance. I felt like the lights were embracing me, as if my grandparents were there with me, comforting me in the most extraordinary way, offering solace in the face of loss. And in that moment, all of my grief felt like it was forced out of me. I remember letting out one big sigh as the last of my tears fell, and then like that, I felt refreshed. I stood there for a few more seconds trying to take in this moment, and that's when I felt drawn to a corner of the floor. I walked closer and moved around the few pieces of cloth and other small items that were there, and there it was. A doll. It was a doll that my grandma and I had crafted together from an old sock, some scrap fabric and yarn. We often had little craft projects like this, and she always kept her scrap supplies and always managed to find different things for us to make out of it all. She was very creative, and she hated wasting. I loved it because it always meant that our creations were unique. My heart swelled as I held it in my hands. I hadn't seen this doll since I was a little girl. That's when it all came together for me. The dancing lights were a message, a sign that my grandparents were watching over me. It was as if they were telling me that it was okay to be sad, but it was now time to move on, to find comfort in their memory, and to embrace the future. The doll, now serving as a reminder of their enduring presence in my life, I left the barn smiling, and I put the doll in the passenger seat of my car so I could make my way back inside their home. I felt like a huge weight was lifted from me, and I was able to keep up the spirits in the home as we finished cleaning it up. My aunt and uncle moved into the home afterwards, keeping the home in the family, and we continued to have holiday parties there, keeping up with what my grandparents would have wanted. So... That's my story. I wouldn't say that I was a skeptic prior, but I also had never had any experiences like I did, so I couldn't say whether I believed in the paranormal. And maybe what I experienced wasn't even that. And maybe it was all in my head, but that's how I interpreted what happened. And I'm okay with that. Sometimes, 
Those unexplained mysteries bring us the solace that we desperately need, even in the darkest times. I'm a 22-year-old Brazilian male from a really small town, and in 2018, I moved to the capital of my state for study and work. In these five years, I never had any sights of any creepy encounters or even a robbery, but last Friday, I had the worst experience of my life. At the start of 2020, I moved to this apartment complex. I live on the first floor of the first block, which makes the space behind my bedroom window a common area. And in these three years, same thing. All peace, no robbery around. Not many people walking behind the place looking inside, except some internet provider technicians and a trustful neighbor who eventually walks behind to make it to his bike faster at the start of the day. People tend to ignore us living inside. They would pass by just minding their own business, talking to me only if I was in a different area of the apartment, like the little porch in our living room. I currently live with two friends from my old town and my girlfriend. Last Friday, one of those friends went back to our town, leaving me, my girlfriend, and the other friend alone in the apartment. Around 3 a.m., me and my girlfriend came home from a bar we liked to go to every Friday. At this point, it was all normal. We got home, ate something, took a shower, and rolled a blunt, like normal couples do. In that time, my friend came home around 3.30 a.m., making the situation even more secure for us. As usual, we invited him to smoke with us, which he denies, because he was tired. So, we decided to just smoke and go to my bedroom to have some alone time. During the deed, we hear some strange noises, but end up continuing. In some moments, we want to change things up, and we again hear the noise of something sliding. So, I looked at the windows, and I saw a guy's face practically glued to the window's bars, watching us. I have a very short temper, which leads me into berserk mode, instantly breaking the window glass with my bare hands. I was really ticked off, and I ran to the kitchen to get a cutting knife while repeatedly screaming, I'm gonna kill you. When my adrenaline subsided, I managed to calm down and called my mom to say that I was going to stay at her house for a few days, in my old town. We're very scared and suspicious of our neighbor upstairs, as we saw him in the same place earlier, and I could recognize scars from freckles on both the window's face and the face from earlier. However, without confirmation, we are left in an extremely uncomfortable position not knowing exactly who the person is, and him knowing exactly who we are. He knew we were going to be late. He knew where we lived, etc. Some info about the dude. The guy we suspect was seen in the same spot earlier picking up weed ends. He looked into the apartment, and he chuckled. He's my neighbor upstairs. He doesn't work, doesn't study, he just listens to music all day and does drugs. 
As I have insomnia, I can oftentimes hear him arranging lines of cocaine and then snorting it. And I hate the way that that stuff makes me feel. I have always been a night owl. I don't like it particularly, but it's just how I operate. I would much rather be the kind of person that wakes up at 5am and is able to do everything I need to do in those three hours before I need to be at work, but I've literally always been the type that just stays up until 3am and likes to sleep until almost noon, unfortunately. I also live in a very comfortable neighborhood, one where nothing really ever happens, if that makes sense. It's the kind of place where a lot of people can leave their doors unlocked, for the most part, and it's really not an issue. Everyone here knows everyone else, everyone knows everything that happens, and no one steps out of line. So, naturally, I never thought twice about going out for walks late at night. It was my preferred way to stay fit, get my exercise in. I would go for a walk around the block, take the path around the park, and then head home. Usually this would take about an hour or so, and it was kind of nice to do so in the middle of the night. This event happened late on a Wednesday. I didn't work that night, and I had spent most of the day cleaning up my place, so... I wanted to get out of the house and get some fresh air. I let my roommate know where I was going, grabbed my phone and my ID, and I headed out into the cool autumn night. It was pretty dark out. The moon was covered by some fluffy and silver clouds, and the street was pretty much empty. I was doing my usual loop around, earbuds in place, and music playing in my head. I was pretty well lost in my thoughts when I looked up and saw a random guy sitting on the concrete half wall, a retaining wall I think it's called, under the glow of a streetlight. He looked to me in his 30s. He had longer and slicked back dark hair, dressed in a pretty standard black shirt and pair of blue jeans. He was just sitting there and staring up at the stars. Now, this wasn't too terribly creepy or anything, just a dude enjoying the night, but I know all of my neighbors, and this guy was not one of them. I didn't think a whole lot of it at first, but I thought maybe he was just a drifter or a family member of one of my neighbors, possibly. However, something about the situation kind of just felt off. Maybe it was him being outside this late at night that was weird to me, but hey, I was out there too, so I guess that would have made me weird as well. As I got closer, he turned to look at me and smiled for a moment before looking back up at the sky. I, again, didn't think much of it at first. Nothing about him other than the fact that he was out here like that sitting under the light giving me any red flags. He had a pretty gleeful smile, and part of me assumed that this guy might legit be having a late-night trip, and he was absolutely in love with the universe right at that moment. It was a bit of a weird mix of emotions. 
I think is how I should put it, I was a bit unnerved, but also thinking this guy was chill based on how happy he looked. As I was walking towards him, he lifted his hand in a friendly wave, and kind of motioned for me to stop. I was a bit hesitant, but I did pause, about six or so feet from him, and I pulled out my earphones to see if he had something to say. And he did have something to say. It's a beautiful night, isn't it? He glanced back up as he made this comment. I laughed slightly and agreed, saying that the weather was perfect. Then he looked back at me, and he patted the wall next to himself, as if to ask me to sit there by him. I started to decline, saying that I was just out for a quick walk, and he kept that same smile and responded with, Just for a minute. I would like to just spend a minute with you, and sit, as brothers. Watching the universe around us drift away at a speed unfathomable to our sad little brains. At this point, I decided that this guy was definitely high. That was the kind of philosophical mentality one of my friends would start to have when he got stoned. I thought about it and figured, if nothing else, this dude just needed some companionship for a couple of moments while he tripped. So, I sat down. I was a couple inches away from him. He smiled and nodded as if I had done the right thing, and we both kind of looked up at the night sky for like 45 seconds. He chuckled a few times, and then around that point he said, It's crazy how our lives are nothing more than the outcome of our seemingly random choices. I chose to sit here. You chose to take a walk. And now, we are choosing to enjoy each other's company for just a moment. Again, a bit heavy, but it did seem nice to think about. After another minute or two, I mentioned that I really should go ahead and get going, that I needed to get around the block and get home, before my roommate started thinking something happened. I stood up, and he thanked me for spending the moment with him. I said it was no problem, and started to walk away towards the corner. And that's the minute when everything went black. I have no memory of anything beyond standing up and walking towards the corner, and then the next thing I remember seeing was the flashlight shining in my eyes and hearing someone say, Hey, you're gonna be okay. Can you hear me? It took what felt like a very long time for me to realize that I was lying on the concrete, and that this was a paramedic kneeling on the ground next to me, and that there was a flashing light right next to me on top of an ambulance. The world slowly spun around me, and my brain was struggling to come back fully to the world of consciousness. The paramedic kept talking to me, kept trying to get my focus, and asking me if I could talk to him, if I could feel my legs, etc., I just kind of stared at him, and I thought I was talking to him, but I was apparently just staring in silence. They got me on the stretcher, and they took me to the hospital, which I will say was the most expensive 10-minute ride that I've ever taken. I think I finally came back fully when I got to the hospital, and the pain on the back of my head was unbearable. 
I was very confused about the questions that started coming at me from the police. Why were they questioning me? And how the hell did I end up unconscious on the ground like that? And why did my head hurt so bad? After a little bit, things did kind of fall into place. Based on my injuries, I was likely hit in the back of the head with a rock or a brick or something like that. Thankfully, the hit didn't damage my skull or cause any major brain damage. It was just enough to knock me unconscious and leave me with a really gnarly scar on the back of my head. As for who, well, there was only one possible answer. The guy that I sat with for a few moments. I really don't know why he did it. I don't know why he had gone from this loving-the-vibe kind of guy to just knocking me unconscious with a rock as I walked away. He didn't take anything. All I had was my phone and my ID, and I still had them both when the medics came and got me. My pockets hadn't even been turned out, so robbery certainly was not the motive. I told the cops all that I could. I described the guy, told them about the quick conversation, and everything that I could recall. I gave them my info so that they could contact me with any other questions or whatever, and that was it. I'll say that I never heard from them again, so I don't think they ever caught this guy. It is terrifying to know that this guy had done this for seemingly no reason. For all he knew, I was going to die there on the sidewalk, within mere moments of having that conversation that we'd had, and he didn't care. I think this guy was seriously a psychopath of some kind, and I was a victim of opportunity. I never saw him after that night, and I never heard anything about him. I'm grateful that the hit didn't do any permanent damage beyond the mental trauma that I was left to deal with. It was crazy to me that something so violent had happened in my calm little neighborhood, and that this seemingly happy dude was such a violent individual. But I guess it just goes to show that appearances can certainly be deceiving. I was talking with my sister earlier, and she'd reminded me that we used to live in a haunted house. This was the early 80s, and I couldn't have been older than six. A little background, I barely remember this story myself. I only remember it through the stories that were told to me about my actions. So, I lived in a two-story company house that had three actual bedrooms. One for my mom and dad, one for my sister downstairs, and the last bedroom was upstairs, and that was for my brother. I got to have the upstairs landing for my bedroom. This was fairly large, but with a stairwell right in the middle. The stairwell had a floor-to-ceiling poles, I guess to guard the opening. This allowed me to see through the stairs themselves. There was a window directly across from the stairs with no curtains on it. On to the story. So, I often had a hard time getting to sleep because of the window letting in light. This meant that, often, as a child, 
I would cry and wake up my parents because raccoons or cats would be fighting on the roof, and I thought that monsters were coming to get me. So, I would often get scolded for waking people up, and I learned to just sit there with these noises while they were going on. Now, another point to my story is that my bed was set against the wall, between the small doors that opened up to access the attic space. I hated these doors for some reason. In an effort to get me to accept these doors as nothing, my sister got me to explore in them. We found stuff from previous owners, and we would pull it out into my room. We had to pull it out because this area had no lights, other than what light leaked through from down below. We found old toys and books. One of these books was a journal from, like, the late 1800s. To hear my sister tell it, that was when the weird stuff started to happen. I started seeing these bird-like footprints climb the stairs. You know, three toes forward and one backward. This was impressive because the stairs were hard wood. No rug, no runners, no coverings of any kind. That means that the footprints were pressed into the wood. They would slowly rise back out of the wood as the next one showed up, just like someone was walking up the stairs. This was accompanied by a blue light that would come out of the little doors that were on either end of my bed. This happened repeatedly for months, and no one believed me. That was until I broke my ankle, and I had to sleep in my sister's room and she got mine. Now... Her experiences were similar to mine, the footprints and the light. There was one difference, though. She saw a long, pointed leg come out of the little door. This leg looked like a giant spider's leg. She came down screaming, and she refused to sleep up there again. From then on, I got to sleep on the couch, and she got her room back. The funny thing is that once my ankle healed... I went right back to sleeping upstairs. I don't know if the experiences kept happening and I had just gotten used to it, or if they'd stopped. For those who are curious, the only memories I have of my life before 11 years old are those of stories told to me, not my own, so I can't tell you if I just toughed it out, or if... I didn't experience anything after that. To start, I am one of those annoying people that has always been super into fitness and setting personal goals. I bought a fitness tracking watch, the kind that does the whole heart rate monitoring, the sleep tracking and most importantly, tracks steps. This, of course, meant that I had another goal to hit each day. 10,000 counted steps. No excuses. Of course, I work in an office behind a desk, so I had to be creative sometimes with how I got there. Some nights, this meant that I had to bundle up and go out into the darkness for a trip around the block possibly two if it was a particularly lazy day. That night, I was a couple thousand steps shy, so 
I figured why not take a quick walk, knock out those last steps, and then call it a day. I laced up my walking shoes, grabbed my phone, and headed out into the night. It was a chilly night, but not too cold. Perfect walking weather in my mind. The roads were deserted, and I was ready to just spend some time in my head and get that number up to my goal. I was about five minutes into the walk when I noticed a car creeping along at a snail's pace, just dragging down the road in the opposite direction of the way I was going. Now, I've seen slow drivers. I've driven at half the speed limit trying to find a house when going down the road. I used to be a delivery driver, but this was something else. This car could have been part of a really slow parade. It was going slow enough that it could have just been in neutral and was coasting on a straightaway that was my road. I stood there and watched as it inched to near where I was standing, and then it got even with me, and it stopped. I half expected the person to roll down the window and ask me for directions, but they didn't. They just sat there. I'm assuming they were staring at me, but I couldn't see through the tint of the windows. I waited for a moment and decided that I didn't really want to test this and see what the hell this person was doing, and I didn't want to be a part of whatever they were planning, so I turned and kept on walking, planning a quick route through a neighbor's yard to get back to my house. When I started walking again, they started once more inching forward at about one mile per hour. They continued going the opposite direction of me, so I assumed that whatever that moment they paused was just going to be an awkward moment that we shared. And that was that. I kept going, thinking I was going to be able to hit my goal after all and not cut my walk short. Then, I heard what sounded like a transmission shifting. I turned around and this car was now doing a full K-turn at that same one mile per hour pace. At this point, I booked it down the road, making my turns into an easement and up into my backyard. I walked around the house to my front door thinking that there was no way they would have seen me because I had come up the back way. My walk was ruined, sure, and I wasn't going to hit my step goal but I wasn't going to worry too much about it. Then, it got worse. About four to five minutes after I'd gotten home, I was sitting on my couch and watching some TV when I heard a car horn honk. I jumped a bit because it sounded close, but I didn't think much of it. Until I heard it again, and then a third time. I opened the curtain in my living room to look outside, and sure enough, that same car was sitting in my driveway, still running, still with its headlights on, and whoever was driving it was just sitting there randomly hitting the horn. I sat there freaking out, thinking, how the hell did they figure out where I lived? I came around the back, there is no way they saw me enter my house, with my thoughts being interrupted randomly by the sound of honking. This guy was hitting the horn at seemingly random intervals, holding it for a couple of seconds and then just letting go. 
I guess to get my attention or make himself seem threatening. I really don't know what he was doing. Like I said, I was freaking out inside a bit. I had no idea who this was, what they wanted, what they were trying to accomplish. I decided to take action. Well, as much action as I could bring myself to take. I turned on the porch light, hoping that it would scare them off, and I guess that was enough. Because after I did that, I watched as this car backed out of my driveway at that same snail's pace, and just kept on down the road slowly. This guy never sped up. He never revved his engine. He never did anything but go down the road at a literal single mile per hour. And strangely enough, it was probably the scariest thing that I have ever encountered on a night walk. It's almost funny how being outside in the dark can make even the most innocuous things seem unsettling. If this was during the day... I would have assumed that it was just some random old person trying to find a house. But at night, it was seriously terrifying. I didn't call the cops or anything, because it was one of those situations of me thinking that this guy hadn't done anything criminal, he was just driving slow. Sure, it was suspicious, and sure, he parked in my driveway and honked, which was annoying, but... I don't think that was worthy of getting the police involved. Thankfully, that was the only time I ever saw that car. They may have ruined my walk for that night, made me not reach my goal for the day, but I didn't let it get to me in the overall grand scheme of things. I guess the only thing to say is, if you are ever out at night, and you feel uncomfortable with the situation, do not ignore it. And don't assume that it's nothing. Stay aware and stay cautious, because you never know what other people are considering doing. I'm not sure if this is creepy enough to share, but I can't stop thinking about it. Maybe I'm just overthinking it. Earlier, I was on my way to work and stopped into a nearby gas station to grab a drink and a snack. As I'm approaching the drink area, there's a normal-looking guy, and by normal-looking, I mean that, from my perspective, there was nothing off-putting about him. He looked like a nice person. He was just standing there. I see that it is visibly a tight space between him and the fridge doors, so I say excuse me so that I could politely walk by towards the water that I was eyeing up. As I go past him, he says, What do you think this is? As someone who has a sense of humor, I thought he was just joking or giving me a hard time, so I just laughed and proceeded to grab the water. I then see him staring at me out of my peripheral visions, so I looked over and he's giving me a blank, menacing stare. The smile was wiped off my face very quickly, and I said, What? Out of confusion. He then continues to stare at me, and just says, Yeah. Almost as if he was implying that he was telling me off or making a point or something. I just tried to ignore it and proceeded to grab a snack. 
as he approaches the register to check out, I overhear him say to the cashier, I feel like people are following me today. To which the cashier responds, Who? And he then repeats, I feel like people are following me. I then get in line behind him, and he very much intentionally drops his license, debit card, and some other cards. They dropped behind him towards me, and he then turns around and just looks at me. He looks down at the cards and then back up at me. He slowly bent down to pick them up while staring at me and then proceeded to leave the gas station while looking at me. I have no idea what I just experienced, but it was very unsettling. I didn't say anything negative to him, nor was I rude in any manner when trying to move by him in the gas station. I did not follow him whatsoever, nor did I give him any reason to drop his personal cards behind him towards me. So, I'm continuing to ask myself, why did this man act this way? And why did I feel such a menacing energy during my entire time in there? I don't expect anyone to give me specific reasoning as to what I experienced. I just really needed to share what happened. I live in a city that is currently going through urban decay and population decline. Therefore, we have a considerable amount of abandoned houses and businesses throughout the city. When I was a teenager, I used to love seeing abandoned buildings, but now, they're an eyesore, and they attract a lot of dangerous people to the city. That, and a bunch of YouTubers and TikTokers all looking for clout and to profit off showing the area. Sorry, but it makes me mad when it happens. Especially when the rich kids come in with no self-awareness or respect for anyone else. When I go for a walk at night, I make sure that I'm strapped and I take my dog with me. Wolfie is a mixed breed. He looks angry and vicious... He has a mean, scary bark, and will defend me, but when it comes to his family, he is such a loving and giant goofball. I love Wolfie. It was dark outside, and most people had gone into their homes by then. People don't really like going out late at night. I live with my extended family in one small home, so I'll go stir-crazy if I don't get out of the house. I put Wolfie's leash on, and we set out. Whenever you go out at night, you should always make sure that you're aware of your surroundings. I never have pods in when I'm out because I want to hear if someone is getting close. I noticed that there was a light on in one of the abandoned houses. The homeless people will sometimes go in them. Some of them just want to get off the streets and mind their own business. While... Others destroy them, do drugs, and otherwise screw things up for everyone else. Instinctively, I began to walk just a little faster. Wolfie seemed to notice my change in mood. There were a couple of streetlights there that were out of commission. Naturally, the city wasn't doing their damn job to fix it. I wasn't going to walk where I couldn't see, so I tried to subtly turn around to walk back the way I came when I heard someone call out. 
Now, there was no way I was going to run or show any signs that I was scared, so I just kept walking. Hey, B. The voice was loud this time. Wolfie turned and started barking, snarling with his teeth bared. My hand went to rest on top of my gun. I didn't say anything, and I didn't need to say anything. He stopped. He put his hands up and instantly began to back off before he ran off. If he'd been a crack addict or something, there is a chance that he still would have charged at me. But I didn't want to push my luck, so I made my way home. Still, I had the feeling I was being watched, and even followed. Not that I could see anybody. Wolfie was alert, and I knew he was going to keep me safe. Normally, I go out for a walk every day, but the day after, I found myself avoiding it. But on the second day, I knew that I had to get out there and face the growing anxiety head on. I took Wolfie out with me, and I did take my gun. The house with the light on was completely dark this time, with no sign that anyone was in there. I figured the homeless man must have moved on. I avoided the parts where I couldn't see, and from a space between the two homes, I heard someone calling out for help. I stopped. It was dark down there, and Wolfie was looking agitated. A part of me wanted to go and help whoever it was, but this was a dangerous city and I needed to protect myself. I wanted to call out to ask what was wrong, but my gut instinct told me to just get out of there. So, I did. I made my way home and I called the police when I got there to tell them what I heard. They told me that I was smart not going to see what was wrong, but I asked them to go and see what it was, but since I wasn't reporting a crime, they weren't too concerned about it. As expected, there was a reason. A neighbor had left the house and went to see what the problem was. She was robbed, and fortunately managed to get away before something worse happened to her. Her son had come home from work and found her in time, thankfully. I'm not really sure of all the details. She is okay and alive, though. Some people say they were going to kill her, while others were saying that they were working for a human trafficking ring. I don't know. I really don't know what would have happened if I wasn't fully aware in that situation. But, my guess? I might not be here. When I was a kid, my family took a vacation to a cabin near the lake. It was a rental, fully furnished, and it even had a full-sized and functional kitchen. It was impressive, as this was the first time that we had stayed in a place like this. It was typically a small hotel room that might have had a mini-fridge and a microwave in it, and it was typically shared between my parents my two younger siblings, and myself. Needless to say, we went out to eat a lot on vacation, because we couldn't exactly cook. So, being a picky eater, it was nice that we could make home-cooked meals there while still having an awesome vacation away from home. There was even a walk-in closet of some sort, off the side between the living room and the kitchen, 
that had things for us to play with. Us kids never went in there, but my mom pulled out two small chests on wheels. One filled with different board games and the other with water and swimming toys, such as diving sticks, a beach ball, arm floaties, etc. I quite enjoyed our time at the cabin. Even being 14 with two younger siblings, we had a blast. We got to swim at the lake, go fishing, we went to a local amusement park, and even spent time together indoors. One of those nights, we were all in the living room watching a movie. My mom rarely makes it through a whole movie, so she went to bed after the first one, and my dad followed after the second. He told me I was free to continue watching, but to not stay up too late, and told me goodnight. My youngest brother was already in his room asleep, my sister was on the couch with my dad, also asleep, and I was in the big lazy chair. I called dibs on that thing immediately, because I just sank right into it. I was on my fourth movie. There was a, a marathon playing all the Saw movies, so... I was very much awake. I knew that I needed to go to sleep, especially when I heard what sounded like a door open and then close. I assumed it was probably my mom or dad getting a drink or maybe checking on me, so I laid down in the chair to look as though I was asleep, but would crack my eyes open a bit to see who it was that was awake. But it wasn't anyone I knew. It wasn't my family. What I saw was someone super thin, in what looked like a dark shirt, but their movement was very stiff. In fact, their hands seemed to be on their hip the entire time, not moving them. When I managed to see them walk, it was as if they were just shifting or scooting across the floor. There was no sway to them, no bounce that you would normally see when someone walks like they were just being pushed along the floor. They were walking behind the kitchen island, so I couldn't see below the waist to confirm how they were moving. At the time, I didn't know about the phrase Uncanny Valley, but that is exactly what I was experiencing. It was unnatural and terrifying. I wanted to call out to them and ask who they were and what they were doing, but I was frozen in the chair in fear. I remember slowly pulling the blanket up over my head so that I didn't try to look at it anymore. I waited that way for what felt like forever, listening to the soft shuffles along the floor, and even what sounded like cabinet doors in the fridge being opened and closed. Then I felt a slight pat on the top of my head. It took everything for me to not look, even though I really wanted to. I didn't know what would happen if I did. I just kept my eyes shut, trying to focus on my breathing to make it look like I was asleep. After several deep breaths, I listened to the shuffle on the floor again, and the sound of a door opening and closing. Then it was just the sound of the TV. I waited several more moments before pulling the blanket back and looking into the kitchen again. It was empty. At this point, I was way too tired to fall back asleep, or watch more scary movies, so I changed the channel to some late night show, filled with dumb jokes and references that I didn't get. 
to hopefully just distract me enough to fall asleep. It was probably another hour before it finally worked and I did fall asleep. To be honest, I wanted to go back to my room that my sister and I were sleeping in so that I could lock the door, but I didn't want to wake her up, nor did I want to leave her out there alone, so I just chose to stick it out. The next morning, everyone was acting normal. My parents were even both pretty cheerful and ready to get our day started. I thought maybe it was one of my parents trying to prank me to get me to go to sleep, but there were two problems with that. My mom doesn't like being scared like that, nor does she like my dad trying to do that to us. She claims that it's too traumatizing, and I don't think it was my dad alone, because when he would play pranks on us, he always had this goofy look on his face, as well as a goofy and conniving laugh. He's unable to keep it to himself for very long, and the fact that he didn't confront me about it that night or the next morning told me it wasn't him. And, of course, my siblings doing it was completely out of the picture. They were too young, and I was in the same room watching one of them sleep. So, my concern went back to, what the hell did I witness? And do I bring it up to my parents? Would they ask about the approximate time? Because then I thought, as silly as it sounded, would I get in trouble for being up as late as I was? Maybe it was some kind of weird test they pulled off? Overall, we were only going to be there one more night, so I didn't think it was really worth it, and I decided to try to forget about it, assuming that it wouldn't happen again. The day went normal with no weird occurrences, granted we were out most of the day, but it wasn't even on my mind. I didn't think about it again until that night. However, once my parents both decided to go to bed... I turned off the TV and did the same, dragging my sister to the room with me so that I could lock the door. It took me a minute to fall asleep, but I finally did, and thankfully there were no instances like the night before. At least, none that I was awake for. Then, we were leaving the following afternoon. We got everything packed up in the van, and then we had to do some minor cleanup in the cabin. My mom asked me to put the chests back in the closet, and I obliged. But as I rolled them back in there, I clicked on the light, and I saw a tall cloth draped over something towards the back of the closet. There were a few pieces of old clothing hanging up near it, so I first thought it was just a long dress or robe. But there was obviously something underneath it. Curious, I lifted up the cloth, and saw a full-sized mannequin with one hand on its hip, and its legs stationary in an almost A-pose, wearing a dark blue t-shirt. I nearly screamed when I saw it, and realized that it matched exactly what I saw that night. What made it just that much worse and chilled me was seeing the layer of dust on the other items and the clothing around it, as well as on the floor, yet the mannequin was dust-free. The dust on the floor in front of the mannequin also appeared to be disturbed, like it had been moved. 
I quickly and haphazardly shoved the chests the rest of the way in, slammed the door closed, and ran out of the cabin into the van. My mom saw me run past her and asked what was wrong, but I didn't tell her. Again. I know, probably dumb. I waited in the van for them to finish the last few things in there, and I got my brother and sister buckled in. I was mentally freaking out on the way home, trying to figure out if what I saw was real, and how it could even make sense. Surely my dad could not have done this. He wouldn't have taken it that far, but what else could it have been? This has been years ago at this point, and I never told my parents about it. I told a few friends about it because we all enjoyed spooky stories, but when it happens to you... It's not so cool anymore. Granted, it's still kind of creepy to me today because I still have no answers, but I wouldn't even know where to start. However, I have thought about asking my parents if they remembered the cabin, and then checking it out with my friends. And I'll let you know if I do. I want to tell this story to warn others. I, 18 female, live in Maryland, USA. I work at a very popular burger restaurant, and I work at the payment window, which is where I stand all night. I'm very friendly. I know sometimes a smile and a compliment can make someone's day a little better. Just this night before the creeper came, I had a customer tell me that I was so freaking happy and she loved me for it. And that gave me the courage and energy to survive this next interaction. I'm used to the awkward comments and stares from old men. I'm sure it's my friendliness that attracts them. Our uniforms are not revealing. They think that I'm naive, and maybe I am. A lot more than I thought. I'm fully aware of the dangers of trafficking. This particular old man came through just before six. He pretended to not hear his order, and then laughed like it was a joke between two friends. This is not uncommon. It's an old man thing. No red flags yet. I tell him his total, and he hands me all but the change. When he does this, he waves the money around making me chase it. I was able to snatch the cash, but again, it was just an old man thing, so not concerned yet. He stared at the company name on my shirt and asked if that was my name. I don't wear a name tag for this reason. I joked that I was going to change my name permanently to that, and he perked up. At this point, I should state that he was white, mid-60s to 70s, driving a small white SUV with a kayak on top. He had some scruff on his face, and he was holding a phone to his ear the entire time. When I finally began to engage with him, he moved the phone to be facing me. Looking back, I believe he was recording me. At no point did he speak into the phone nor acknowledge it in any way. He started to probe with more pressing questions. Here's the thing, I have the same last name as someone from US history. 
most old people like talking about that stuff, so I told him my last name. He didn't reflect or laugh, he just accepted and continued asking questions. That's when I started to get that sinking feeling. He still owed me change, I told him. He grabbed another dollar and handed it to me, but he wouldn't let it go. He wanted to know my first name, and I dodged answering because I was getting creeped out. He would not let go of the money and was practically drooling for more information about me. I gave him a name that I don't use, and he smiled, finally letting go. I got him his change, and I told him to have a nice day. I then immediately left the window and told one of my coworkers about the weird experience. He returned just two hours later. I didn't recognize his car on the cameras until he got to my window. I hadn't thought too much about our interaction and was busy texting my dad about whether or not a chicken sandwich was a burger. My stomach dropped when I saw his face. I have many regulars, all of whom I would be happy to see, and I hope he doesn't become one. I'll call the police if so. He smiled and said, Hey, the one with the last name. I half smiled back and wished for the days when we all wore masks. I tell him his total, and he makes me chase the money again. For the entire time, he had his phone against his ear, facing me. He starts asking even more intimate questions about me. I lie or dodge them the best that I can, giving him zero correct answers, wanting our interaction to be as short as possible. Some of the questions he asked me, how often do you work? What time do you leave? Oh, and how old are you? For that one, I knew that he would not leave without a number, and I had a nasty feeling the younger wouldn't be better. So I said, probably in my 20s. He then joked about me being legal. I made a face and tried to get his change even faster. He then asked if I had a boyfriend. I was getting more and more nervous, so my answers started getting more sarcastic. I told him that boys were trouble. He specifically talked about himself, and then said that he would treat me right. I handed him his receipt and told him to have a great night. He threw his hands in the air and was saying, Don't be like that. I'll treat you right. I shut my window and said bye. He made a bit more of a fuss, but eventually drove forward. From his questions about when I got off work, I believe he was watching the restaurant. I was shaking by this time and I called my mom. She immediately drove up. I talked to the manager and I was a little unsure of the car's colors, so he checked the camera for me. Shout out to my manager, he's the best. I continued at my window and watched for the old guy, but I didn't see him again. I then left an hour early and gave my manager specific instructions to not place a girl at my window, and he agreed. These interactions are unfortunately what cause formerly happy and cheerful service workers to become sour and quiet. I think I'll be taking a couple of days off. I already had another job lined up, and I'm excited to start it. And thank you for reading.
The OP then added two edits. The first one being in regards to the fact that their story had a title stating they believed they were almost trafficked at work. Edit 1. I did not mean to make light of trafficking victims with my story. I did feel trapped by this guy, and felt fear that he would be waiting for me, no matter when he thought I got off shift. I do not have a car, and I take myself home on a bike after dark. I think that I would have been very easy to follow and trap, but I did not tell him how I get home. Edit 2. People seem to be confused, and I guess I didn't elaborate enough on his phone. He held it facing me for the extent of both of our interactions. Roughly five to eight minutes, he wouldn't leave. He never moved it or lowered it. I have two guesses. He was recording me, and could be preparing to use that video or send it to someone, or he was on a call with someone listening in who I can't identify. Trafficking was not my first thought. I'm more concerned about how easy I would be to kidnap at night on a dark suburban road. And yes, after kidnapping, any number of things could happen to me. Just because I have a job and people assume my father lives in state doesn't mean I shouldn't feel threatened. That's the reason that I left so quickly, by car, with a trusted adult who picked me up. And the reason I made this post was to warn others in my area. And that's why I gave a description of him and his car. Some backstory. I, female, was 13 at the time, but I looked more like I was 10. My grandma lived two states away and discovered that she had stage 4 cancer. My mom packed me and my sisters up and drove us there while my dad stayed home for work. We were there for three months. My aunt and uncle lived in the same city as my grandma, and me and my sisters would frequently spend the night at one of my aunt's houses. One day, I was making lunch for my grandma when my uncle walked into the kitchen. He suddenly shouted and rushed out the back door. I caught a glimpse of a man in a red baseball hat running from the kitchen window. He'd been watching me. My uncle claimed that he didn't catch him. We then found two piles of cigarette butts in my backyard, one by the kitchen window and one by the bathroom window. Yeah, my grandma didn't have blinds or curtains on any of her windows, besides her bedroom window. Needless to say, we were horrified. Fast forward a few days, and my mom was certain who the peeping Tom was, my grandma's neighbor, who always wore a red baseball hat and had suddenly become smoking buddies with my uncle. We couldn't prove anything because my uncle backed him up, and we didn't want my grandma to be distressed, so we let it go. A couple days later, I was spending the night at one of my aunt's houses while my sisters were at another aunt's. It was just my cousin and I there while my aunt was at the store. I heard a car door, and I peeked out the window to see if it was my aunt, but I saw a man standing at the end of the empty driveway. He was wearing a red baseball hat, pulled over his eyes. My uncle had told him 
where I was. I freaked out. I locked the doors and I told my cousin to call her mom. She was on her way home, but the man was already gone. After that, I never left my mom's side. I stayed every night at my grandma's house. My dad flew up soon after, and that was the end of the incidents with my grandma's neighbor. Because there was now a man in the house. And if my dad left for the store or something, he took me with him. It's been 14 years, and many disturbing things have come to light. My uncle is a predator, and one of my sisters was one of his victims. My aunts knew, and they covered for him. That sister of mine, she's running the streets, using hard substances to self-medicate, and her son was taken away from her. My parents are absolutely devastated, and the guilt eats away at my mom every day. I have a haunting story that took place around the time that I thought I had my life figured out. My sophomore year in college, I was finally moving out of my parents' house and into a small rental home that was around three blocks from the campus that I was attending. It was a really cute house, a bit rickety and in need of some love, but overall it was a nice little house with a bedroom, a bathroom, and a kitchen living room thing. It was like the studio apartment of houses, tiny and affordable for a college student. I wasn't going to be throwing any parties in it, but I could at least have a couple of friends over to play games or something. Plus, you look a bit more serious to the opposite sex when you live somewhere that isn't in your mom's basement. Just saying. The first couple of weeks were great. There were a handful of things I had to report to the landlord to get fixed, but nothing that was too serious. There was a bit of a leak from the pipe behind the toilet, and the vent above the stove went out unlike day number two, but they were really good about getting someone out to fix it. By the end of week two, I was pretty happy with how things were going, and was confident that I could live there for possibly several years. Then I started hearing a knocking. At first, I thought it was someone at my door. The first night it happened, it was around 8pm and I was eating my pizza and watching NCIS. I was sitting there and I heard a fairly faint knocking sound. About four thuds. I put my pizza down, got up and opened my door, but there was nobody there. I stepped out and looked around, but obviously there wasn't anything going on outside. I shrugged it off and went back inside to finish my episode, when I heard it again. This time, though, it sounded like it was coming from the other end of the room, over by the window in the kitchen side, and not the door. I kind of jumped because I didn't expect it. I grabbed my shoes and a flashlight, and I did a quick once around the yard to see if there was someone there, but there was nothing. I started kind of playing through my head what it could be. Plumbing issues? Maybe. But it sounded more like a person knocking on a door or wall four times 
both times. It could have been a pipe, but the fact that it was in a rhythm and it happened in two different locations made me think it wasn't. My next thought was rodents. My parents once had a squirrel eat through part of the wall at the house, and they'd actually made a nest under the bathtub, and it would make noise randomly, so it was possible, but again, it felt too rhythmic. The only other thing I thought of was that it was someone messing with me, but if so, why? And how were they so quick to get away from the house when I checked? In the end, I just made a quick note of it and decided that if it kept happening, I would let my landlord know and we could trace it down. If this were a connected unit like apartment or a townhome, I could have just assumed that it was my neighbors. But this house wasn't connected to anything, and it had some space in the yard, so I was confused. Now, it did happen again, but here's the weird part. It would only happen if I was alone. If I had someone over or was talking on the phone, it would not happen. There would be no tapping. But if it was just me, I would hear it randomly at night. Almost as if the house itself was screwing with me, making me feel crazy. I even tested this by having one of my friends sleep over for a couple of days. He needed a place to chill for a few anyway, and my couch was always welcome to him. The whole time he was there, which amounted to three days and two nights, it never happened. The day he left, I started hearing it again. Then, things got weirder. I would come home from class and would find various things out of place. The first thing I noticed was my chairs that I had around my tiny dining table. I came home from class only to find two of them facing away from the table, towards the kitchen. If it was just the one chair, I could easily have assumed that it was just me forgetting to push it back in after working on classwork. But two chairs? That was a bit strange. The next thing that happened was about a week after that. I was unlocking my door and I heard a crash, like something had broken inside of my house. I shoved the door open like I was Rambo about to take out an intruder, but the house was as empty as I'd left it. I'd walked around thinking that maybe they had run into one of the other rooms, but this house was tiny and there was nowhere to hide. After I cleared the rooms, I went to the kitchen and found the cause of the crash. One of my coffee mugs was on the ground, shattered. This lent itself again to the possibility of it being rodents, so I got my stepladder and I cleaned out that cabinet, and there was no indication that there was any way a rodent could have gotten into the cabinet. Plus, the cabinet was mostly empty already, and the only way for a rodent to have gotten in there and gotten the door open and the mug shoved out would have been if it was a large rat. There was a small lip on the bottom of the cabinet to prevent you from accidentally knocking dishes out for that reason. So, it would have had to have lifted the mug over that and then thrown it into the kitchen, which is not something that rats do. There were a handful more things like this. Things moved, things knocked over. One day I even woke up and found the linen closet in the hallway was open, 
and literally everything in the closet was on the ground. The linen closet was right next to my bedroom, so if someone had broken in, I probably would have heard them rifling through the closet. Yet, here we were. Then, about two months after all this started, was the creepiest of the events. I was asleep, fully passed out in the middle of the night, and my eyes shot open. I don't mean like I was asleep and I just woke up. I mean I was clean out in the middle of a deep sleep cycle, and the next second my eyes were wide and staring at something. At the foot of my bed was a figure. I couldn't make out any facial features, but it was dark and shadowy looking, like a void in the shape of a person. My heart started pounding. I wanted to scream, but I didn't feel like I could. I sat there watching this thing with sweat pouring over my face. I watched as it slowly leaned over the foot of the bed. As it did, I was finally able to make out part of the face. The mouth. It was a creepy, toothy grin that was edging closer and closer to me. Not like demonic teeth or anything. It was just normal human-looking teeth, but the smile was just terrifying. What's worse is that I literally blinked and the thing was gone. Just like that. It was there leaning in and smiling at me and then just gone. Obviously, this was enough to make me question whether or not I honestly wanted to live there. I could handle the oddities here and there. The knocking, the things moving, though breaking my mugs was a bit extra. But actually seeing things, seeing apparitions or manifestations of the creepiness, that was a bit much for me. At the same time, I didn't really want to lose this house. It was such a quaint little place, and it was super affordable. I was a bit torn, so I decided to just see how things went. I'm going to skip ahead a bit and just mention that I did end up moving out after the 12-month lease was up. Things moved, things were shifted and broken, and I saw the shadow every once in a while, but the tipping point was right before I was set to move out. I started hearing talking. I couldn't make out the words, but they sounded like they were pleading in an incredibly unsettling tone. Worse yet, the voices were clearly coming from the walls, not any of the rooms. So, I told my landlord that I'd found a new place and just moved back in with my parents. I kept it amicable between him and I because he was a nice guy but this place was seriously haunted. To end this story, I wanted to mention that I know the person that moved in after me. He was a buddy of mine from class, and when he heard that I was moving out of the rental, he asked me to put him through to the landlord. So I did. I told him about the stuff that I went through. I told him about all of it, and he didn't believe me. Well guess who's a believer now. He went through the same stuff. The knocking, the shadows, the voices. It pretty much went the exact same, getting creepier and creepier until he could not take it anymore. He lasted two years, though, 
and he told me that he was starting to have night terrors in that house before he left, and it was making it to where he swears he was seeing things. Obviously, I'm never going to have answers about any of this. It was just a creepy little haunted house. The last time I drove through my hometown, I wanted to see if it was still standing, and it is, but by this point, it's been condemned. Who knows? Maybe I'll break in and check out how it looks, and see if anything happens while I'm there. If I do, and something does happen, I'll be sure to send you that story as well. So, this event happened when I was 16. I'm currently 18, but our home had to have some renovations, so the builders told us the renovations would only take about a month. We were able to live in an Airbnb that is, thankfully, in the same neighborhood as us. I take the bus to and from school, and it's a very long walk to the bus stop from this new location. One thing about me is that I have a very poor sense of direction. Even if I've been taking the same road for years, it's still a possibility that I will forget the way. So, I was lost walking home one day and accidentally found another route on the way to the Airbnb from the bus stop, which added another 10 minutes to an about 20-minute walk. This is important context to the story. So, one day, I'm walking home from the bus stop, and I'm cursing myself out because it's minus 20-something, and I've accidentally taken the longer route, which is when I first noticed a middle-aged man a good distance behind me. At first, I just shrugged it off, because he wasn't very close at all, but I did begin to get concerned, because the route that I'm taking is not a regular one, it's one where you have to cut between houses, etc. And it seemed too large of a coincidence. He was constantly behind me, even on the absurd route that I'm taking. At this point, I'm scared, but I don't want to alert him because it's winter and it's already getting dark out, and I'm not strong at all, so my chances of overpowering a grown man are slim to none. I pick up my pace increasing the already pretty large distance between us. So, as soon as I round the corner, there's a fence surrounding the Airbnb, and there's a gate that breaks up that fence, that leads you into the neighborhood and where the house is. This is technically the back way, and you're not supposed to cross the gate. He hasn't rounded the corner yet, he was pretty far behind me, so at this point, I sprint like my life depends on it down the sidewalk, and duck under the gate and hide behind the fence. I then climb the porch stairs, and peek across the fence. It's a position where I can see the road and sidewalk, but they can't see me. And he bursts from around the fence running, probably because the distance between us had grown too large, and then stops in his tracks when he doesn't see me, he then pulls out his phone and starts talking and then goes back the way he came. Until this day, I'm not sure if this was paranoia or if he genuinely had bad intentions. 
but I'm still glad that there was such a distance between us, which is the only way I was able to run off, unnoticed by him. Hey there, friends. I hope that you enjoyed this collection of scary stories on this episode of the As the Raven Dreams podcast. If you did, make sure that you follow the podcast on whatever platform that you're utilizing. And if the platform you are on has a rate the podcast option, please consider doing so. Those ratings push the podcast into the algorithm, and we all know how the algorithm controls everything, so... Yeah. I also do have a Patreon. If you go to patreon.com slash asthereavendreams, you can support the channel further. For as little as a dollar a month, you can get early access to all of my content in audio format. The content's a little different, as it's based on what I upload to my YouTube side, but it's the same stories. Just in different collections of stories than how they're presented here. Speaking of stories, if you have one you would like to submit to me, please go to asthereavendreams.com and click the button in the middle of the screen that says Submit Your Story. Now, these stories are mostly sourced by listeners, so let's keep the podcast alive. If you've got one, I'd love to read it. Anyways, friends, I hope you're all having a beautiful day and a lovely week, and I hope I see you again very soon. But until then, remember you're loved, you're valid, you're important. You're the best you that you can be, Never forget it. And until next time, much love and sleep well. <laughs>